before we get to our show, here is a podcast we think you're going to love. Hey! Welcome to ShambleFest! I'm Jess. I'm Amber. And we are your one-stop weekly shop for news shambles. We're a weekly WTF and current events comedy podcast. We drop episodes every Monday morning. Tune in. Shamble on! Help. Hello. If you can hear our voices. If you can hear our voices, please save us from the never ending (laughs) Unsolved Mysteries podcasting. This is perhaps it's you, everyone. An unofficial Unsolved Mysteries rewatch podcast. Oh my god, it's so unofficial. Quite unofficial. If you're listening, Unsolved Mysteries producers, don't sue us. Please. We have nothing. Don't take it. (laughs) My name is Liz. (laughs) My name is Samantha. We're here today. Best intro yet. Yeah, I think so. Help us, please. Help. <laughs> Send help. Um, it's cold as fuck in Minnesota. Liz just turned off the heat, so we're ready to come at you with some Unsolved Mysteries content. To freeze to death. <laughs> I was honestly, I was re-watching this episode before Samantha came over, and I was like, start, honestly starting to drift asleep. My eyes were closed. I was like falling like a little bit to one side and then samantha knocked on the door i was like what but we're dedicated podcasters it's like when you start to fall asleep in class or something and now i'm like what what's happening (laughs) where am i yeah yeah so robert stack is that you i feel extra unprepared well this week we have the biggest update of all i think we sure do i'm sure you've heard of it it's that netflix is bringing it back Unsolved Mysteries reboot. Rumors are true. The rumors are true. It's going to be back. I don't think we have a air date. We also don't have a host officially announced. We know it's going to be produced by the the, per, the guy who did Stranger Things. Yes, and the original host, or the original producers. Yep. And Netflix has ordered only 12 episodes. And it's going to be one mystery per episode. I have to say, I don't That's, like that at all. I don't like that either. That seems like too much. I want a variety pack. Yeah. I want, like, a little smorgasbord of mysteries. We'll see. I'm open-minded. I think they're going to make it a little bit more like something that's going to be on the ID channel. Probably. I assume our letter's in the mail inviting us to host. <laughs> yeah. I've been waiting by the phone. It yet, Hello. I'm sure it's on its way. Hello. I recently was like, oh, you know who would be a great host is CCH Pounder. Oh, yeah. I saw that on Twitter. I think she would be so good. I agree. She really has, like, the gravitas that yep. you need. You need someone... Particularly if they're going to do any paranormal segments. You need someone that you just, like, instinctively take seriously. That's really true. That where you're like, okay, like, maybe, because they said it. Like, So you're saying not Jonathan Franks. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying definitely not Jonathan Franks. Like, not anybody that you would associate with something comedic. Mm-hmm. Like, someone that has, like... I think like, you really captured... Like, theatrical chops. Yeah, why Robert Stack was so successful in that role yeah because it ha- when he says that you're sort of like okay like maybe right. i think you need someone that can bring that like not a Wahlberg, you know right <laughs> like right. <laughs> I, and I was so like, you've described us so unsolved mysteries yeah someone Give us a call. serious we're not someone busy. extremely photogenic someone available Someone uh, who will work for very cheap. Yeah, someone in Minnesota, maybe. <laughs> Throwing out some ideas. Yeah. Well, we'll keep you posted. I know people are so excited. I was a little bit like, oh, we'll never get out of this alive. But it's only 12 episodes. Right. I don't I don't know. We're going to keep doing this podcast the way that we're doing it. We haven't exactly decided how we're going to cover these new ones. Yeah, we're going to do something. Yeah. We're not totally sure what yet. It'll, it'll because we happen. are currently on season three of the original Unsolved Mysteries, so, so it's going to be a million years until we get to these ones. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen. We'll, we'll figure that out as we go along. Yeah, we'll keep you posted. Oh boy, do we have any other updates? I want to thank everyone who has upped their Patreon yes contributions thank you. since we announced the new tiers and our new patrons. We always love you. I was really surprised with the you. positive feedback. I mean, I guess I'm not, wasn't that surprised. These people are already giving us money, which that surprised me enough, but <laughs> people seem really excited, especially for the coloring sheets. Yes, I'm working on it. The first one right now, it'll be out by the end of the month. It's going to be Robbie Stacky. Um, I hope you love it. 
I'm sure we well, will. While we're thanking people, I just want to thank Al Gore once again for inventing the internet. We wouldn't be here if Thanks, not Al Gore. For... No internet, no podcast. <laughs> right. So. so when you think about it, we oh, have a lot to thank him for. What a hero. We appreciate Al Gore every day. <laughs> Liz is trying to keep a straight face. We know Al Gore didn't invent the internet. I'm just gonna... But we will now continue yeah. to act as if... I'm oh, he did. I'm such a petty bitch. From but it now will never stop until now. the end of time. So Should thanks, Al Gore. Thank you. All right. Do we have any other updates before we jump into I don't episode think twelve? So I want to say that this is the first episode. So when we first started watching Unsolved Mysteries, like back pre perhaps it's you podcast, I this is as far as I got. I got to episode eleven of season three. So now we're oh. on episode twelve, and we are now at least for me in uncharted territory as far as episodes of Unsolved oh. Mysteries that I haven't seen before. So this is an exciting moment for me. Wow, That's, and it was a good episode. It is a good episode. So it's a good one to, to venture into uncharted territory with. Right. I feel like season three has been going better than season two. Oh, yes, by far. Not as many lost loves. Kind of disappointed in that. But that's a little disappointing. Not for everyone else, but just for us. For us. Because um, you need those like heartwarming yeah, things to like I get you through the, the day. Lost loves, but. but this has some some good stuff. I was I was jealous you got the voodoo mystery. Right. I'm kind of jealous you got the corset making... Okay, that's my new favorite mystery. <laughs> the corset making... Uh, so many life goals in one mystery. Yeah, we're going to meet who Liz wants to be when she grows up. Yeah. In this episode. Oh. oh. So we each got a little bit of something, something. I mean, I think maybe just tweet at Netflix who you want the new host to be. And maybe that's us. I don't know. Or maybe it's CCH Pounder. Or maybe it's Jillian Anderson. Right. Just, just let them know who the host should be. I think we should let our voices be heard. Yeah. We've been talking about Unsolved Mysteries this whole time. Right. Like, they should listen to us, the weirdos. Obviously. Obviously. Of course. Okay. So let's, let's get into some voodoo. Yes. I have an unexplained death. And we begin the segment. First of all, I want to say, before we even start, the opening shot of Robert Stack, he's in a forest? Yeah, he's in a forest for a little bit, and then as he goes on to explain voodoo, he's in like a botanica, which yes. I really appreciated. <laughs> Obviously. Where someone, they are they're acting like someone's still working while he's standing there. Like, there's someone in the back. There's someone in the background just like walking around. <laughs> well, he's like, as if the store is still operating while he's standing in the middle of it, explaining that voodoo is not evil. <laughs> right. Which, right. you know, thanks for that. Yeah, I want to say right off the back that Unsolved Mysteries was more woke when it comes to voodoo than I was expecting. I thought, considering the way they've talked about Satanism, I was really expecting uh, everyone on a tropical island does voodoo and dances at night around a fire. And they're coming for you. Right. So they're not, their take isn't 100% great. I'll get into that later. But they're. They're, so, was, they're trying, yes. I think. Maybe. I was pleased with Unsolved Mysteries. So, we begin flying over St. Croix in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Robert Stack tells us that this popular vacation spot attracts over a million visitors every year, but that even America's paradise has a dark side. <sighs> November 18th, 1988, St. Croix police are called to the scene of what was reported to be a minor traffic accident. What they found was the dead body of Rada... <laughs> Mahar. Bad, bad reporting there. I'm going to struggle to pronounce the names in this segment. I'm already going to apologize. Radha was her first name. A few miles away, her husband, Krishnada, was found dead in the street. An investigation revealed three unusual clues. One, the clothing worn by both victims was soaked in seawater. That's so weird. I know. Two, $25,000 in cash belonging to the couple was gone. And three... And this is an excellent Robert Stack quote. The agent of both deaths was cyanide. I mean, that is unusual. Yes. I don't know that we've done any cyanide deaths yet. Didn't we have one? Maybe one. The woman who, oh, uh, in her cough the medicine? cough medicine There was death. cyanide in her cough medicine? The woman medicine? That, wore, that owned two wax museums. Yes. That's also some life goals for me. Yes. Incredibly, the couple's deaths brought the number of cyanide deaths in St. Croix to five in the past four years. That does seem like a lot. Yes. Robert Stack began, says that authorities began to suspect that all five deaths were linked to voodoo. That, that part seems like a little bit of a leap. 
It's like, oh, we have what looks like a, a murderer. Right. Uh, we have these five deaths. That it seems unlikely that they're not connected in some way, i.e. Voodoo. voodoo. Like, where's the connection there? We get a little bit of the history, so I'll go over why they came to that conclusion. Um, but there's... I mean, it's tenuous. I'm just going to say that. Okay, so next we see footage of what Unsolved Mysteries calls a traditional voodoo ceremony in Haiti. Robert Stack says, contrary to popular belief, there is nothing inherently sinister about voodoo. Unlike Satanism. Right. Right. So Robert Stack says that voodoo is a unique blend of Roman Catholicism and African tradition. He describes it as being practiced predominantly in Haiti and Louisiana. In voodoo ceremonies, participants honor their deceased ancestors, some of whom they believe have become deities. Not a bad definition of voodoo. We'll get more into it later. Robert Stack, um, this is the part where he comes out, uh, yeah, and someone in the background of this little shop is pretending to continue, yeah, continue like, to work. As if Robert Stack is like just there buying some incense, <laughs> right. and he's like, oh, while I'm here, I'll give this narration. Yep. So he says, many of us mistakenly think voodoo think of voodoo as curses, hexes, effigy dolls, and potions. But yes, these it's, ex- it's called racism. <laughs> yes. But these exist more often in the realm of Obe, an underground form of sorcery unconnected to voodoo, but common in many parts of the Caribbean. Like all forms of sorcery, Obe has malevolent potential. So everything he's just said about Obe is is wrong, and I'll talk about that later. But (laughs) what would make something an underground... He's talking about it like it's a like a nightclub or They're, he's trying to make it seem like this is the evil version of voodoo. Right. Although they say it's unconnected to voodoo, but it's like also it's like, the oh, same. Everything you thought about voodoo, you were actually thinking about this. Obey. Yeah. Right. And that's wrong. But <laughs> They're, they're half right. We'll go over it later. All right. So St. Croix authorities have come to believe that the five cyanide poisonings on their island are the work of a master con man who practices obey. And they say that he tries to, quote, cloak himself in voodoo. So they're saying that this con man is actually practicing this evil sorcery. But, but he's pretending telling to do people. He's like, hey, come to me for some voodoo. And people are like, great idea. And then he's like, I'm actually doing this. <laughs> exactly. So, so it sort of seems like something that would happen in a cartoon, but go on. Yes. Robert Stack next says he lures his victims into a vicious web of deceit and murder. Oh, that's a terrible kind of web. I know. It's the hor- worst kind of, mo- of what web. What a horrible web. That's not what Charlotte was doing. All right. <laughs> Charlotte should have been saying phantom pig. <laughs> or just deceit and murder. Deceit and murder. That story bothers me. Nobody saw a, sp- a spider that could spell and went, wow, that's an amazing spider. They were like, that's some pig. No. The spider. It's really true. That's really, that's really true. So we flash a spider that speaks and writes English. <laughs> Nobody was impressed by that. They were like, "That spider's right. That is some pig." What? Everyone assumes a spider is bad, but I know. they're really not. They eat mosquitoes and all kinds of bad things we don't want around. They do creep me out a tiny bit. Well, I don't really want them in my house, but I don't have any ill will towards spiders. No, I just. Maybe well, if we lived in Australia, we would. There's really not no, I think any you dangerous ha- I think spiders you would have to here in Minnesota. Be at peace with them because aren't they everywhere? Probably. And Australian listeners, let me know. Let aren't, know. aren't spiders actually your rulers? Don't you have to <laughs> bow down to them? You have to make offerings. <laughs> yes. Don't, don't, aren't they running your continent? <laughs> pretty sure. I, I read that somewhere. I'm pretty sure it's true. So we flash back in the reenactment to when Radha and Krishnada were still alive. The couple were both born in the Caribbean, but their parents had immigrated there from India. They owned a small grocery store. Radha's two daughters from her first marriage helped run the business. A few months before their deaths, the couple took out a loan to expand their store. Robert Stack says that they were soon in a, quote, financial bind. I'm not exactly sure. I think this is like a loan shark situation. Yeah, because it's never really explained what he means by that. But I assume that, yeah, either it was a predatory loan or perhaps taking the loan out wasn't a good decision for them financially. Maybe they didn't have a lot of business and that didn't help. They don't really explain it. So the, it seems like the biggest business began to struggle. Their daughter said that they were tense and didn't want to be asked about the fin- finances of the store. Around the same time, they began receiving strange phone calls. 
The daughters say that a man would call asking for their stepfather. Krishnada would take the phone and tell his stepdaughters to go outside because he had something private to discuss. Just a few days before their death, Radha uh, brought $25,000 home given to her by relatives. She told her daughters that this was what she needed to pay to the gentleman. But when pressed as to why, she simply said, don't ask me any questions. Maybe she shouldn't have brought it up at all then. Probably. <laughs> They're sending mom, out mixed messages, mom. Why do you have $25,000? I don't ask me about this. <laughs> I need to pay this guy. Why? Do you, why? Why what? do you need to pay him? Pay him for what? Next, we see Radha getting into her car on the night she died and driving east. Radha's daughters say that this was very strange. Her mother rarely went out alone, and she never went out at night. 30 minutes later, Krishnada, I may be saying his name wrong, drove off in the opposite direction. Robert Stack says, presumably, to meet the mysterious man. That's just a guess. I mean, they do end up dead, so I guess probably. probably a good guess, but there's really not a lot of evidence here. So Radha and Krishnada's daughters speculate that this strange uh, man probably promised a high return on their parents' investments. They don't see why else they would have gotten involved with him. No one is sure what happened that night. Radha's car was found coasting slowly off the road. She was inside, barely alive. There was no signs of a struggle. 16 miles away, her husband's body was found lying on the side of a beachfront road. It's weird that they're not found in the same place. It's bizarre. I don't know what to make of that. No clue. No who and they're both soaked in seawater. That's super weird. So it's bizarre. The police Do you think when I'm found dead, I'm gonna be soaked in seawater? That would be odd if you were in Minnesota. Well, it's odd here too. Well, yes, that's true. (laughs) Maybe you'll be soaked in water from Lake Superior. Lake Superior water? Great. The police initially told the daughters that their mother had probably decided to commit suicide because her and her father had quarreled about something so big they couldn't patch it up. Why is he he dead? Right. Please. (laughs) Think. Think think before you talk. So, yeah, they had to take that back when the autopsy revealed that both people had died of cyanide poisoning. Very similar deaths had happened on the Uh, island in the past. I think your mom committed suicide. Well, my stepdad's dead, too. Hmm... Good point. Also, they died of cyanide poisoning, just like all these other people. Also, they were covered in seawater. Explain that. Yeah. So, including a couple who had died just a year earlier. That couple, Edstall and Carmen, owned a restaurant and had recently taken out a loan to expand their operation. However, they converted their loan into cash and set out at dusk one night in Edstall's pickup truck. A few hours later, the couple was found near death, drenched in seawater. Edstall was in the truck. Carmen was lying on the ground not far from where Rada had, would later die. Their cash, $54,000, was also missing. Ooh. Very similar to this death. So we next hear of an earlier cyanide death, a, nam- a man by the name of Caesar. His death was linked to what people, meaning the investigators, confusingly call voodoo, even though... They are later going to claim it's Obey, which is not voodoo, according to them. It's convoluted. So Caesar was allegedly told that there were jars of coins on his property being guarded by ancient spirits. In order to get those coins, he would have to get rid of the spirits. Okay. So. Ancient spirits. Ancient spirits. Caesar reportedly paid over $100,000 to a practitioner of Obey who claimed he would be able to remove the evil spirits. I would want to know where those coins were first. Also, how much coins? How that you'd be paying? You would pay a hundred thousand dollars. So it had to be more than a hundred thousand dollars worth of coins. That's a lot of coins. Yeah, that's a really good point. Maybe just keep that money and let the coins be. Yeah, you'd probably be better off. All right. So police in Saint Croix believe that on the night of his death, Caesar went to the location where his where this obey practitioner claimed that a vast treasure was buried. Part of the ritual required Caesar to drink a, quote, potion that would drive away the spirits. The potion was cyanide. I don't know how they know all this. Because Caesar died. So... Right. It's not really ever explained... How much of this is conjecture? How they know this. So... Um, that's the end of the segment. We never get any more information. This is still unsolved. I Google it. There's a lot of speculation on the internet, but no one knows. I think it is a loan shark thing. Probably. I, I can't explain the fucking seawater. Nope. 
that's the part that's really weird to me. Nope. If he's tricking people into drinking cyanide, saying it's a potion, like, okay, that, I mean, that's terrible, but I sort of get it. I don't get the seawater thing it at all. It must be part of this of the ritual, ritual. The fake ritual. The fake ritual of this con man or woman is performing. That's the only thing we can think of. Maybe that's part of why they think it's Obey. I wanted to do a little bit of research on voodoo. I did minimal because I am not the person to be talking about this, but I wanted to see if Unsolved Mysteries had got it right. Uh-huh. Uh, they didn't, but they're, they're not... <laughs> Like I said, their take isn't that bad, but here's what I found. So obey is difficult to define as it's not a single unified set of practices. Sure. And it has become more difficult to define define as the years have gone by because like voodoo, white people have co-opted its definition. So obey is similar to other Afro-American religions such as Palo, Haitian voodoo, Santeria, and hoodoo in that it includes communication with ancestors and spirits and healing rituals. But it differs from religions like voodoo and Santeria in that there is no explicit canon of gods or deities that are worshipped. And the practice is generally an individual action rather than part of a collective ceremony or offering. So it's really, it's really, I don't want to say it's not that different because I'm sure it's unique in its own way. But separating it from voodoo and Santeria and other religions that come from slave trade yes. bringing people from Africa to North America and then forcing Catholicism upon them sort of created these religions and exactly and Unsolved Mysteries just trying to paint a picture that this is sorcery that it's not real <laughs> it's like a real religion and that's just Robert Stack talking false. about sorcery being like well like all types of sorcery this can be used for evil and I was like what what types of sorcery what are you talking about there seems to be this misconception that Obey is pu- is used purely for evil or okay. to harm others and that seems it seems much more complex than that is all I'm going to say. So suffice it to say that unsol- that the history of these religions is complex and nuanced and I'm in no way the person to be speaking about it, but I wanted to point out a few things. One is that Unsolved Mysteries paints a picture of Obey as being something completely different and entirely sinister, sinister and that seems to be oversimplified and incorrect. I'm not really surprised they got that wrong. And then Obey and and the other Afro-American religions were developed by enslaved Africans. In basic terms, they involve involved the practice of harnessing supernatural forces and spirits for one's own personal use. And you can imagine why enslaved people might want to harness supernatural forces and spirits for their own personal use. And why white people would think that that was harmful. And evil. Right. Yes. Because exactly. who are you trying to harm if you're enslaved? Exactly. Yeah. So that is where it ends and that's all the information I have for you. It was an interesting segment. It's extremely mysterious. It's weird. Yeah. It is weird. Yeah, I took a class on... I took a religious course on voodoo and Santerita, and um, in a way, it's, like, kind of disappointing, because you're like, oh, this is just a religion. Right. Like, you want it to be, like, more theatrical or something, as a... Uh, yeah. As a white person who knows nothing, and I was Pretty like, much. oh, this is just a religion. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. Mm. It's really... <laughs> I don't know. It's, I, I the we from I don't know, movies and Scooby Doo or whatever created this very racist caricature of something that's much more dramatic and mm-hmm. scary and whatever. And it has its, its own interesting and complex culture, right? That is just dismissed when you kind of simplify it into this caricature of evil, evil and dancing around with snakes and right. killing stuff and whatever yep. and it's oh it's like oh it's just kind of religion like everything else yeah pretty yeah. much yeah all right that was my segment okay well this was samantha's lucky day because hell yes it was oh also there was a ton of mustaches in that segment lots of mustaches i, I drew a couple of them did you well, name any of them? one i think might be this was the sergeant working on the case i called this the horseshoe I like that. It does look like a horseshoe. This was the cap. This was Captain Harris who was working on the pace. This is the salt and pepper. Nice. Um, I think the horseshoes, the MVM. There's it's actually very a, unique. A ton of mustaches in this episode. I like yes. couldn't keep up with the amount of mustaches. Okay. One after another, rapid blah, fire blah, blah, blah. mustaches. As I'm like drifting, I'm like, what? okay. So this was Samantha's lucky day because I got the treasure segment for once. Yes. And she didn't. And this is the Skeleton Canyon treasure. 
supposed treasure, I will say. I don't believe in it. In Arizona. And it dates back to 1881. The idea is that in this ravine where there used to be a lot of robberies during the Wild West. Um, It's a canyon. Uh, you're right. Because <laughs> it's skeleton, skeleton canyon. canyon. In this canyon. The besmirched skeleton canyon. <laughs> yeah. It's not skeleton ravine. Skeleton canyon sounds like something from He-Man. It's <laughs> ridiculous. Such a bad... It's like, oh, where does Skeletor live? Skeleton canyon. Anyway. um, That... Yeah, there used to be a lot of robberies there, which I'm sure there were, but the idea is that those robberies led to there being a buried treasure, and that part, I I don't believe. So we hear from treasure hunter Fern Hamill, who is studying and searching for the Skeleton Canyon for a Mexican treasure buried by American outlaws. And you hear from some people that are like, there's definitely a treasure, and some people that are like, nope, no way. (laughs) And Robert Stack says, who among us has not imagined what it would be like to discover buried treasure? And my answer was, Samantha. I was just about to raise my hand, and then I yeah. realized the listeners wouldn't see it. Sama- no, I, I mean, it would be, the thought of discovering buried treasure is, it's nice. <laughs> I could use a buried treasure. It's just that it's not going to happen. <laughs> Every so often someone finds, I don't know, like money under their floorboards or something. True. That's not really the same thing, I guess. Um... This is the story, as Robert Stack tells us, of desperados, deception, and greed. And he claims that this is the Wild West's largest unclaimed treasure, but I don't know what that's based on. Is someone out there cataloging the Wild West's well, unclaimed treasure? Also, they treasures? don't really know how much money this is. People were speculating anywhere from 2.5 to 8 million, but I... That's a large discrepancy. I also speculate zero... <laughs> So that would make it your apathy towards this is amazing. So that would make it a very small treasure <laughs> if it was zero dollars. There's at least a handful of change in this canyon. People have found some coins and there some skeletons. There is a reason it's called Skeleton Canyon is because people have found skeletons there. And That's a treasure they, in and of itself. Ah, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> I always think of, like, any time they try to do construction in the UK, they seem to find skeletons, because that's just, like, an I call it just an island of skeletons. Right. Like, any time they need to work on the underground at something, they're like, oh, crap, more skeletons. <laughs> the, like, they found that king under that, that parking lot. Anyway, yeah. just... Just skeletons everywhere over there. Um, where the fuck was I? <laughs> Arizona historian Robert Pamquist, how meanwhile, does not believe the treasure exists, doubting the veracity and legitimacy of the letters detailing its existence. And then this other guy insists that he's seen the letters, but he won't show them. Okay, of course. Yes. <sighs> because they were... True to its nature, the buried treasure has never been photographed. <laughs> Much like the Phantom Pig. <laughs> that one of the outlaws supposedly wrote to his sister from this cave, like, telling her where it was in case anything happened to him. And then this guy that makes too much sense is like, no, that's not something outlaws do. <laughs> that guy was my favorite. He, like, you're telling me that this ranch hand, who probably was illiterate, was writing to his sister every week and flagging down a stagecoach and sending her letters to tell her where the buried where the better treasure was and then this other guy's like insisting like no we found this vase with her name on it like a the small crystal vase and i was like why would she bring that to a cave to look for treasure (laughs) this is it what she brought that with her everywhere oh my god yeah, they found a cave filled with period artifacts and old ropes. Whoa, well, that could only mean there's oh, no. a treasure out there. Old ropes? Old ropes. Um, yeah, this one guy is a director of a treasure hunting museum, which, who knew that was a thing? What do you see in a treasure hunting museum? <laughs> Not treasure! <laughs> <laughs> it's just about the hunting. Not about the finding. Yeah, I want to go to a treasure finding museum. No, no. Those don't. So weirdly, those don't exist. Huh? You can just go to the treasure hunting museum and see. I don't know backpacks used ropes to waste time. (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
he believes that it is more true than other treasures, <laughs> such as the old Dutchman's mine. It's a low bar. Yeah, it's a really, really this low bar. This is more true than flat out lies. So the idea was, the, the, the legend is that the treasure was originally stolen in 1881 by Mexican bandits from citizens of Monterey, Mexico, and that con artist Jim Hughes learned of the treasure and became friendly with the bandits and then contacted fellow members of the Curly Bill Borkus gang <laughs> or something. Which Curly op- Bill Borkus? Brock? <laughs> I don't know. That's the, that's the pig in our forest cartoon yeah. that's robbing <laughs> stagecoaches. Yes. Curly exactly. Bill Borkus. <laughs> exactly. Named for his tail. <laughs> Um, they operated out of Arizona. The gang ambushed the Mexican bandits, but the treasure was too large to carry out of the canyon because their mules were shot. So they divided some of it and buried the rest. Okay. And then stayed in hiding for months. And that's when these letters that we can't see were supposedly <laughs> written. And Who one cares? of one of the people's name was Zwing. <laughs> Zwing and Billy <laughs> were ambushed by the sheriff's posse and Billy was killed. Zwing? Zwing, Zwing had to carry on. <laughs> reportedly detailed a map to the treasure before he died in another shootout. However, of course Zwing died in a shootout. Of course. However, an earthquake in 1886 destroyed all telltale clues that might have helped look for it. Damn. Several treasure hunters have tried to locate the treasure, but guess what? (laughs) They haven't. They have found evidence that the legend surrounding the treasure is true. No, they really haven't. Wait, they found... Okay. They found skeletons and some coins. I I don't doubt that the robberies took place. Sure. I'm doubting that there was so much treasure from these robberies that you could bury it and it would be like worth finding now and that's confirmed by this one dude who i called his mustache the campbell's suit (laughs) because you know those like little children that were the old campbell's soup cartoon people he looks like that grown up So, and he's the skeptic with wearing these, like, gigantic Jeffrey Dahmer glasses. glasses. Yes. And he's like, there's no, there's no historical evidence that there would have been that kind of money going through the canyon. Like, they probably got some coins and took them and left. (laughs) There's no reason to think there was so much treasure they buried it. This, I think, was the guy who ran the museum, Hunter Pritchard, I I called his just mustache just brushy. That it, it looked like a brush. It was just a white just line of real hairs. scratchy. It, I am never gonna kiss Hunter <laughs> Pritchard. No, no one with that mustache because no. it's gonna kiss. It's gonna stab you right in the yeah. lip. Yep. No thanks. And one of the guys just says that it's like absolutely real, real. And then, like, at the end of his rant, goes, everything is real. (laughs) And I just wrote that down because what a, like, what an amazing quote. What? He really is like, no, this is real. The map is real. The letters are real. Everything is real. (laughs) Everything? Really? Everything? Really? Okay. Also, at one point, the guy with the brushy mustache is, like, doing some research in what might be a library and has a pipe. Like, dude, no. Of course he does. No. Leave your pipe out of the library, please. <laughs> or the records room, or wherever the hell you are. And he's claiming the reason the ha- treasure hasn't been found is because of that earthquake, and that now the treasure is 20 feet deep, though I have no idea how he would know that. Then go find it. Oh, that's right. You can't. You can't. Because the government's covering it up. Uh, he He's also dead. Okay, wow. And Robert Stack tells you, yeah, like, by the way, you're also not supposed... Now that we, like, enticed you with looking for this treasure, you're not supposed to dig there. Yeah, because the government's like, fuck, all these just fucking treasure hunters just digging holes in this land we need. Oh, the guy that said everything is real and was insisting this was real. His name was Fern Hamill. Okay. Is that... Fern? Yeah interesting fern hamill well he passed away in 2011 at the age of 94 and he said he would look for that treasure 
for his whole life. Maybe he did. Guess what he never found? <laughs> R.I.P. Fern. This, okay, the Unsolved Mysteries wiki claims that someone found this in a book called The Weirdest People in the World. But when I was, like, looking around online, it was like, no, this treasure's not real. No one ever found it. There's no historical record that that type of money was stolen. <laughs> this is just bullshit. So, goodbye. Right. Well, there's never a treasure. There's never a treasure. What there is, is horrifying stories about women being attacked. <laughs> there's always those. <laughs> That's the worst transition. Oh, God, that was <laughs> bad. Of podcasting. But this, okay, this segment... I'm just going to put a, a trigger warning for everything. Yes. Just all, all it, yeah. if you have trauma of any kind, if you just don't like shit, no, don't watch this. <laughs> Might not want to watch this it's one. It's scary as fuck. Yeah. So this is a wanted. Debbie, quote in quotation marks. That's is, not her real name, her everyone. Real name. Don't try to track down Debbie based on that information because they made it up. Is a Winston-Salem, North Carolina secretary who was assaulted by an unknown attacker for several hours on March 22nd, 1990. The man shot her in the face with a 12-gauge double-barrel shotgun and left her for dead. This is an absolute nightmare. Two police officers found her stumbling out of the woods near Business Route 95 in Fayetteville. They immediately contacted paramedics who took her to a nearby hospital. If the reenactment is accurate, it's probably even more terrible than this. She's, like, stumbling out covered in blood, Mm -hmm. like, barely clothed. I mean, she's been literally shot in the face. Yep. So, although her life was saved, she has been disfigured as a result of the attack. So, uh, Debbie eventually described to police the events that led up to her being left for dead in the woods. On the morning of March 22nd, she made a large cash withdrawal at the First Union Bank in Winston-Salem. She left the bank at 9.40 a.m., but as she entered her car, her attacker went through the passenger door and held a shotgun to her head. She, uh, He told her to drive to a liquor store three miles away. When he went inside, the man took her keys with him. He watched her from the window and told her that if she tried to escape, he would kill everyone in the store. This is so t- terrifying. I know. After buying a bottle of whiskey, he returned to the car and told her to drive to, on Interstate 40 East and 421 South to Fayetteville. All right. I like that he had to make a liquor stop before this. Yeah. So weird. So the drive lasted for over four hours. During this time, he threatened her life, drank heavily from the bottle of whiskey, and bragged that he had once killed a man in New York. About three miles north of Fayetteville, the man forced her to pull off the side to the side of the road. He then forced her at gunpoint into the nearby woods. When she tried to escape, the man chased after her and grabbed her. Beating her, raping her, and shooting her in the head. The, so the, the way this reenactment is shot with these like blurry, blurry fisheye lens, yeah, and slow then it's motion. like it's in slow motion, but there's lots of quick cuts. Mm-hmm. It's really creepy, and, and I, it's sort of a tracking shot of him chasing her through the woods. I hate it. It's pretty awful. At the same time, one of the officers that later found Debbie saw her car on the side of the road. Before he could investigate, however, a speeding vehicle went by and he had to um, pursue it. Uh, when, Very sad. When her attacker was finished attacking her, he fled in her car, which was later found in Florida. Fayetteville police officers examined the crime scene. They found the assailant's jacket and gloves, along with some other evidence. The police are now searching for the assailant uh, they are protecting his victim's identity in the process. So what happened was these two police officers were sitting in their like squad cars on the side of the road, like talking like they do sometimes. And they're like, they kind of squint and in the distance, they see a figure coming out of the woods. And when they get out of their cars to investigate, they notice that it's a woman stumbling covered in blood. So Her clothes sad. are ripped. It's just a horrible sight. She collapses. They call paramedics. Thankfully, she was able to be saved, but she was shot in the face. And the doctors described like the worst wounds they've ever seen. They can't believe she survived. They, uh, her family is interviewed for the show and says that they wanted to. I think they wanted her boyfriend to be there or something when. They all wanted to be with her when she first saw her, her yeah. face, but someone brought her a balloon that had like a reflective surface, and she ended up seeing her reflection in the balloon when she was alone and had no one there to support her. So this it's is like the, the worst story you can possibly imagine. 
Um, as a, po- a possible suspect in Debbie's attack is Ernest Ray Cherry, who is convicted of attacking and raping another woman in North Carolina in 1992. He matches the description of Debbie's attacker, and there are several similarities between his known victim's attack and Debbie's. Okay. Also, Cher- that sketch was terrible. It was real bad. Also, Cherry's abducted abducted his victim from the same city that Debbie was abducted from. Okay, interesting. Cherry is currently serving a life sentence for um, the rape and attempted murder of the other victim. However, he has never been charged or officially named a suspect in Debbie's case. There's no update. They never officially solve her case. They do it's sort awful. of think it's this Cherry guy. There's a lot of speculation on like unsolvedmysteries.com and the Reddit threads and stuff, but. No one knows, and it's really, really fucking terrible. And the reenactments in this one are going to give you nightmares, so be warned. I think it's awful that they don't know who did this. It's awful for her to have to go about her life knowing that person's still out there. It's awful because I'm sure that's that's not a type of crime I would imagine someone commits once. Yeah. Uh, but well, also, she should be allowed to shoot that person in the face. I think so. And so, the, in, Unsolved Mysteries interviews her. They kind of disguise her voice, and she's blacked out. Her face is blacked out, and of course, they disguise her name. She is remarkable. Yeah. She talks about, she's like, I know it, you know, it, it's it's an unlikely scenario that this person would find me again, but I am, you know, kind of worried that he's still out How there. She's like, so, be? she's so calm about it. I and know. And so logical, where I would be like, I, I'll never leave my house. I would just be a wreck forever. Yeah. Yeah. So she's amazing, and I, it's so horrible what happened to her. But and it's it's unfortunate that she never got justice. Robert Stack introduces the segment saying like, "Oh, this is one's gonna be hard to watch, but we really want to catch this criminal." And I, the reenactment is awful in a way that absolutely does not help catch him. It adds nothing to. It just makes it terrifying. It's just sensational. Yeah. So yeah. can you imagine the, Debbie sitting down to watch her ep- her segment? I hope she didn't. And having to see that reenactment. I hope she didn't. That's awful yeah because it's very scary and yeah so unnecessary he doesn't want to relive that no no so i did notice that um actually listener robin pointed this out on twitter that when so unsolved mysteries is coming back and in their like press release they were saying like oh the original unsolved mysteries uh talked to families and investigators and used actors for reenactments and robin was like uh no Unsolved Mysteries used real people in their reenactments, and I was wondering if they were trying to, like, downplay that, because it sounds horrific. And it usually is. We talked about this, I'm not sure if it was our last episode, where the man found his dead son in the woods, and he reenacts finding the body of his dead son. Apparently, as Unsolved Mysteries goes on, they do less and less real people and more and more actors, but... The PTSD that must have caused. Oh, my God. Yikes. Yeah, you don't want to relive that. No, absolutely not. Yeah, it does not help catch these people or solve anything. To show, like, him chasing her through the woods like that, how is that going to help catch him? It's not. Yeah. And it didn't. No. So. (laughs) did not. There you go. Yep. Um. Yeah, let's just move on. That's terrible. The next one's real good. I'm going to eat another Cadbury mini egg. Please do. Because Liz has left these in front of me and I can't help myself. <laughs> They're the dark chocolate ones, too. Oh, they're, they're so, so good. good. Okay, so this is a Lost Heirs, and this is now my new favorite case. This is the case of Dorothea Allen. She was from Sutton under Brails, England, and um, this case dates to January 4th, 1990. So, Air Hunters which is apparently a thing, Hmm. are searching for any relatives of Dorothea Allen, a wealthy recluse who died in 1990, and that she had left an estate of $4 million, but she had left no will. So her history was that her and her husband, Robert, were very elusive private people and like the richest people in town, that their business had been that they made surgical corsets for women, but then they added like bows and lace Flare. and stuff to make them like look less drab and that made them a ton of money however dorothea was known for being like a real taskmaster and was super cruel to her employees and was a huge perfectionist and didn't pay very well and like 
uh, a journalist talks about how she like ran her servants ragged and so uh, at some point Robert Stack describes her as a quirky eccentric yet to some she was a shrew and I, I, I just have to wonder if that's how I will be remembered <laughs> a quirky eccentric but to some a shrew mm, okay but to some a big old bitch yeah exactly um one example of what a like horrible person she was to work for was that she demanded people walked out of her office backwards so that they didn't turn her back to her like okay and another example was that at the Christmas party. Oh my god, this is amazing. Her and her husband would sit on fucking thrones, and the only people allowed to talk to them were like workers who met a certain quota for the year. And that was like their reward. Was that they got you to go to the Christmas party? Do you get a gift? No. No, you get Do a, you get some free hors d'oeuvres, maybe, but they're probably shitty. You get to talk. You get to talk to your fucking boss who's a bitch. They would put up like a velvet rope and you could go up and she, they would be like, oh, you've done a, a wonderful job once again. So, yeah, clearly everyone hated her. Um, so even though she had lived this very glamorous life and it was said that she had danced with Fred Astaire and she had once dined with Gary Cooper and all this stuff. By the time she dies, five people go to her funeral <laughs> because everyone they reenact it, too. And it's it's, it's so great. Like, because everybody fucking hated her in this town. And I'm sure they were just, like, waiting for her to die. <laughs> in 1965 is when her husband had passed away. And that's when she starts becoming, like, sort of a recluse. She doesn't deal with his death well. They were very close. I, he was apparently the only person who liked her, really. <laughs> so, um, she's, like... Max saw this part where she was like lighting cigars to like keep his essence around and Max like that doesn't work <laughs> if you don't like puff on cigars they don't keep burning <laughs> I don't know that was just fun he just like walks through and it's like that wouldn't work <laughs> that, thanks, that was Mac. his gripe with this yeah thanks Mac um, so the, after her his death um, she gets into a Rolls Royce accident <laughs> And then never leaves home again. So she becomes a shut-in for 20 years. And doing that during that time, she erases all traces of her past. She cuts up photographs. They show her on her bed. Her, like, four-poster so glamorous, and this, like, silk robe. And she's just, like, cutting her face out of her passport. Yeah, which I was also like, just burn that shit. It's much more dramatic to sit there with a gilded for scissors. For, and yeah, just... solid gold scissors for hours <laughs> cutting yourself out of every photograph. I was like, just throw them away. <laughs> you don't need to keep them. But anyway, she had cut herself out of all her photographs. She had torn papers out of her passport. She had, she had refused to make a will. And when people asked her about it, she was like, people have too much money anyway, which is <laughs> hilarious for someone who got into a Rolls Royce accident. <laughs> oh, my God. And it seemed that she was covering something up. And... One theory was that she was of lowly birth. All right, whatever. Okay. Class. So what? She was hiding her class. And another theory was that her and her husband, Robert, were actually brother and sister. I did not see this coming. And that they were hiding that because they didn't want people to know of their incest. That turns out to not be true. It just seems like rumors, people. She's sitting Because everybody doesn't like her. No one likes her. She's just the old recluse in a mansion. You know what? I bet she was screwing her brother. Because they don't like her. What it turns out it was is that when she met Robert, he was married. Mm. And that he could not get a divorce. So he left his wife for Dorothea. And they were not technically married. Because he could not remarry. So that is what she was trying to hide from everyone. Got it. But I just feel like there is nothing more glamorous than wealthy corset maker turned shut in who <laughs> spends all of her time in like a robe in bed cutting after, after a Rolls Royce accident. <laughs> it's just my heart. A cigar is burning next oh, to the bed. Yes. Did she get up only at midnight to play the harp? Like, <laughs> what? It's. I realize she was a, a horrible person and a huge bitch, but. Man, oh man. Whatever. She knew how to live. Um, so 
after it was figured it was figured out that her she was born Dorothy Brommer and she was the daughter of a steel worker. She had been born in 1895. There's some talk in the episode about oh maybe her last name is this and she's from Germany and but none of that turns out to be true. Um, and she was identified by a childhood sweetheart. Uh, who had been a wartime pilot and like recognized her. I'm not sure if from the show or if, like from some article or something. Maybe but her behavior. Yeah, he just figured uh, out. I know that, who that is. <laughs> oh man, we used to date. He like figured out that it was her, um, and that that is why she had like tried to, to hide her. She was trying to hide both that she was common folk and, and that they were not technically married. But they managed to find uh, a number of heirs that were relatives of her parents, and more than 70 relatives were located, and they each received about 40 grand. Nice. Yeah. So, Good for them. Um, There's not a ton to this story. It's just both hilarious and uh, so, so glamorous. <laughs> and I love all the people talking trash about her, too. Yep. Like, no one holds back at all. There's sentences like, Dorothea was a na- very nasty piece of work. Like, <laughs> this is someone who's dead, and I feel like there's a tendency to sort of act like after someone's died, like, oh, they really weren't that bad. And it just cuts to someone going, she was a nasty piece of work. <laughs> right? Like, oh, also, I wanted to mention that they had traveled on the Queen Mary. All right. Which connects to... Um, uh, other mysteries. Another mystery. And another funny part was when a journalist was speculating, like, I don't understand why she didn't make a will. And she said, I wouldn't have thought anybody would want to leave money to the government. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Right. She didn't seem to understand that if she didn't leave it to a person, I don't know what she thought would happen to it. I think she just didn't want people to know where yeah. she came from. So I don't she think she care. really cared. Yeah. About her money as much as she She was on. protecting her name. Yeah. And yeah, screw everyone else. She seems like she was intensely selfish, but also had incredible style. Right. And what is more important than that? <laughs> I mean, really. Exactly. I mean, Dorothea. <laughs> uh, Pour one out for Dorothea. Oh, seriously, man. That is the life. Yeah. If only she could have treated her workers well. I feel like she could have treated her workers well and done all that shit, and then she really would have had it. For sure. She could have sat in a throne and made people come up and, like, I don't know, kiss her hand or something. And then given them $1,000. Yeah. She didn't... She had all this money she wasn't doing anything with. Right. Yeah. Act, act like you're Mariah Carey, but then spread the wealth. Yeah. Exactly. Right? That's my philosophy. <laughs> or it would be if I had money. It's like Mariah if Carey. Wealth to spread. Wealth. Recently, Mariah Carey tweeted that she doesn't recognize time. Because <laughs> people were doing that like puberty challenge where it's like a photo of you from yep. 2009 and then 2019 to see how you've like glowed up. And Mariah Carey posted the same photo twice. And then she said, I don't get this. I don't recognize time. <laughs> That's how wealthy she is. Time means nothing to her. Um, it's kind of amazing. <laughs> I mean, it makes... I don't know. Maybe in a ph- philosophical way. Sure. Yeah, There's sure. no time. Yeah. You're right, Mariah Carey. It's relative anyway. I mean, we're all going to die, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. Maybe she won't somehow. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe she's a million years old. Maybe. Oh, that will connect to my recommendation. But first... Okay, let's rate this let's episode. Let's rate this episode. Mysteriousness. Pretty mysterious. Yeah. Your first thing is fucking mysterious. Very mysterious. And Why your second case is water? actually still kind of mysterious. Yeah, technically never found that guy. Uh, There's no treasure. And That's Dorothy's heirs were found. But I still give it a thumbs up for mysterious. I agree. Fashion. Uh, pretty, pretty good. Decent. Not great. Maybe sideways It's a good on that. showing. Yes. Um, if we include mustaches, then thumbs way up. Oh, I skipped reenactments. Maybe oh. that's because I didn't want to think about... I almost give that a thumbs down because I hate the one in yours so much. They're so exploitative and unnecessarily scary. And yeah. And trying to think about Debbie since watching that makes me ill. So let's give that a thumbs down. Yeah. Um... Robert Stack. I'm going to give him a thumbs up for being in a botanica and kind of pretending like he could be a customer, as if that's something he does. <laughs> I liked it. It's like, oh, I just stopped by to get a Virgin of Guadalupe and some candles. He also sure, had did, really Stack. good w- lines in this one. Yeah, The, yes, the agent did. of both deaths were cyanide. <laughs> yes, this was a quality Stack episode. I agree. Thumbs up. So, out of a possible five Robert Stacks. 
zero to five. I would give this again three and a half four. I was just thinking a three and a half, possibly even a four. I did like it. I liked yeah. your last segment. I would knock it down, I guess, for yours being so scary. Yeah. So maybe three and a half. Three and a half. But I love this Dorothea thing so much. <laughs> I think you should watch it. It has a tiny bit of like a Grey Gardens feel to yeah. it, except that she still had money. I don't. There's just. I just love that idea of being. She. They show her like in the mansion, like looking out the window to show you she's become a shut in. Like, oh, since my Rolls Royce accident, <laughs> I never leave the grounds, and I'm just like, I love this so much. <laughs> Yes. Amazing. Yeah, this was a good one. All right, let's roll right into recommendations. Okay. What do you you got? Speaking of being one million years old, I have a corporate recommendation that, goddamn, I wish I was being paid for, but I am not. Okay. Yesterday, Samantha knows. I'm right. Yes. I went to the Mall of America to go to Hot Topic. (laughs) Why would I do such a thing, you ask? It's because they have a new collection for the 30th anniversary of Polly Pocket. <laughs> and when I walked into the store, the, they have like a greeter person because that store is a nightmare. Yeah. It's just a ton of displays. Every, like even where the line should be for the cash register are these like displays. It's like, where are you supposed to stand? You never know how to stand in line at a hot tub. The music is so bad. Anyway, so I walk in and this woman was sort of like, how can I help you? Who's, where's your child? Whose mom are you? <laughs> yeah, exa- yes, exactly. And I was like, I'm here for Polly Pocket. And she was like, ah, uh. right this way. And she showed me the thing. Oh, Liz is reaching down. I it, haven't seen it what was Liz worth got. It. Oh, man. So I got a purse that's like, it's like this beautiful, pearly pink. It's really, and yeah, it quilted. And it looks like a Polly Pocket It's in the compact. shape of a heart. It's, it's, you know, it's quilted because it's basically Chanel. <laughs> and I was actually very pleasantly surprised by the quality of this. When you open it up, the, it's like the inside. It's like the inside oh. of a Polly Pocket has like the little room. I got There's a little clutch. I got a wallet. They did Matching. have like a. I only got. They have a bunch of stuff. I only got stuff I was gonna use. There's like a wristlet. There's a little backpack. It's all adorable. But I got a purse and this wallet, which is super cute and has the little like Polly charm on it. And I got. A keychain that's also like a little compact. There's oh, a there's a lip palette which I knew I would never fucking use, but it looks like a little pocket. Yeah. There's an eyeshadow thing. There's a bunch of stuff. But the reason I say, oh, it's like I was one million years old is when I was checking out, the cashier was like, Yeah, I never played with these when I was a child. <laughs> because I was born in two thousand. <laughs> and that's when I turned into dust. And I just fell away and i wanted to go oh me too and just stare at her and i could tell it like as she was saying it she was like oh i shouldn't have said that like but i'm young and stupid as i'm just standing there like huh i could be your mom could i have my novelty purse and wallet please anyway it was still worth it. It was still worth feeling one million years old. I fucking oh, love this. I think it's beautiful. So damn cute. I'm so impressed by that. I saw it online and I was really excited and I was like, I should really go look in this in person because it's probably going to be crap. And then I was like, no, I definitely want this. As someone that has Polly Pockets hanging on the wall of my house. <laughs> I have such fond memories of my sister and I playing with Polly Pockets. I would get them when I was too old for them, but there's something about the, like, design and colors. They're so fun. The little outfits are just so appealing. I don't... Something about just a little clamshell of a yes. world that yeah, may or may not up. light up. <laughs> it's just... Oh, my God. They were so small. The kid, I was telling someone the other day that my cousin's children are really into those LOLs. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where you have, like, there's, like, a surprise inside. You never know what you're going to get. Those and my cousin dolls. was describing, like going to Target to try and find the rare LOLs. Yeah. And, like, grown women, like, knocking each other over to, like, get to the display and, like, oh, my goodness. Because all my, all of, all they wanted for Christmas was those LOLs. And then they have these other ones. I don't know what they're called, but you, like, pop them and these little toys, like, fly out. Okay. You, you also never know what you're gonna get. It's, like, a surprise yeah. inside. Oh, my God. Those kids love those things. And I'm, like, one day you're gonna go into a hot topic. 
Sure. And they're going to have do the 30th their... anniversary of LOL. Yes. Because unlike every other mall store, Hot Topic is like still doing really well. Yes. Which is weird. It's amazing. They it's much more like when I, you know, back in my youth 500 years ago, it was more clothing. And it's yeah. now more kind of pop culture stuff like this. Like, it, there's like an entire wall of just Funko Pops, like every fucking store. But in a little bit less like mesh fingerless gloves. <laughs> but I feel like you still can get those there. Oh, of course. But it's a, it's a more like Harry Potter things and, right. you know, every like TV show ever. But then some of it is like clearly for old people. Maybe that's why it's still thriving. They understand their audience. So they're, they're getting young people and then nostalgic people like me. Yeah, they've had to evolve. I guess. But the music was the same and well, so bad. Some things never change. So, and it's, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but I love you, Polly Pocket Things. That's my recommendation. It's an excellent recommendation. Oh, yes. I'm so excited. I was going to get this baseball cap. But I didn't because I saw a weird bow in the back. That was my one disappointment. Okay. You, yes, yesterday you had mentioned getting, possibly getting a baseball cap. I was cap. kind of excited about it for some reason. But when I actually looked at it, I was like, I'll never wear this. This is a little strange. Yeah. Anyway. All right. I'm recommending an Etsy shop. Cool. I have been waiting to recommend this because it, my gift to my secret Santa this year, which was friend of the pod, Rochelle, oh, came yeah. from this Etsy shop, sort of. So I'm getting back into cross stitching. My mom taught me how to cross-stitch when I was in high school. She is extremely good at it. And, you know, like, the New Year rolls around and you just want to start something new. Yeah. And I was kind of like, what would be really fun this winter when it's, like, a million degrees below zero is to just, like, sit on my couch with a movie and, like, do some crafts. And I'm not a crafty person, but I'm okay at cross-stitching. So I went on Etsy because when I learned how to cross-stitch, Etsy wasn't a thing. And so you pretty much just had what was at Joanne's. Which is like a a goose wearing a bonnet. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Very, just not youthful, I'm going to say. Patterns, pattern books and like kits and stuff. So it never, I never really got hooked on it because I didn't want to cross-stitch an angel. This is going to be a a lot of time, yeah, to make a Christmas tree or a train. So I went on Etsy and um, lo and behold, there are lots and lots of shops dedicated to all kinds of stuff that piques my interest. In particular, I wanted to recommend this shop called Witchy Stitcher. That's where I got the pattern for Rochelle. And I realized that a lot of our listeners might not cross stitch this is very niche but if you're looking for a craft to get into it's pretty easy it's a little tedious but it's one of those things that's kind of a nice de-stressor if you're into coloring you know like yeah. coloring to relieve anxiety or just to give your hands something to do while you're like i don't know sitting around watching netflix or whatever it's very similar because you're just stitching these tiny little boxes and then when it all comes together it's a, a thing so i really like and i wanted to recommend this because one it has witchy shit and they're all amazing they have like halloween patterns the one i, I made rochelle was this um grim reaper and it said killing it underneath yeah it was, I awesome. thought it was pretty cute and i think it's good for beginners so i'm not like an expert cross stitcher i'm still consider myself a beginner what? you're not but this pattern was really easy because it was only three colors it was black white and gray uh-huh. and it was all full cross stitches which are the easiest ones to do you don't okay. have to do any kind of fancy shit with like quarter cross stitches or like half stitches okay. which i'm not very good at um and it was like pretty small it cost like five dollars it was really fun so if you're looking for a crafty thing to do or maybe you are a cross stitcher um it's not just for old ladies <laughs> Although I am an old lady in- inside, and maybe that's why it appeals you're to me. You're a Dorothea. Yes. In spirit. But check out Etsy. If you're a beginner, sometimes uh, like kits are nice because it comes with everything you need. But I think if you if those don't intrigue you, because yeah, they're all ducks. and I bought a couple people for Christmas a little cross-stitch kit of Pusheen. Yes. I kind of want to do that. I kind of want to get it for myself because that is, it's, it's small, but it has everything in it. It has like a very tiny hoop, hoop and, and the little... needles and yep. thread and a couple different Pusheen patterns. And it's pretty cheap. Yeah. Sorry, it's... people. I got that as a gift. Guess what? <laughs> it, was <laughs> is, it was cheap. Um, and I kind of want to get that for myself because it's like you could make a little Pusheen like holding a donut and stuff. It looks really cute. It was really cute. And the thing I like about Crossage too is it's a really inexpensive hobby. Like the floss, the little thread you buy for it is like... 
50 cents. Yeah. And you, you comes with a lot. Like, you're never... Unless you're doing one of those gigantic patterns. I've joined a few cross-stitch groups on Facebook. And so, as you can imagine, there's some people in there that are intense. Um, oh, you don't say. Yes. I know everyone's surprised. <laughs> those people probably go through a lot. But, like, for me, doing something really simple, it's, like, not an expensive hobby. So, something... Cool. A way I've been enjoying my my winter cool that's all i I have that's good why why do you say that so apologetically (laughs) i don't know (laughs) guys that's all i have that's it i'm sorry i I have have a recommendation that you probably haven't heard of and i just made your life better look it's no poly pocket purse well very few things are go to the mall of america (laughs) uh eat at naf naf grill and then summon up all your courage to go be the oldest person in Hot Topic by far. <laughs> Which did mean I knew the words to all the songs they were playing. What? But, uh, and then go, oh, none of these clothing would fit me in one million years. Yeah. And, uh, but this purse is super fucking cute. It really is. I will for sure use this, because I don't dress appropriately for my <laughs> mom age. <laughs> my, my cool mystery aunt age. Yep. Anyway. All right, let's plug our shit. Oh, we have so much stuff. We have all the social medias that perhaps it's you. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You should email us a paranormal story or if you knew Dorothea or <laughs> if you were once in a Rolls Royce accident, we want to know about know. it. Is perhaps it's you Gmail. Perhaps it's you podcast at uh, gmail.com. <laughs> Yeah, it's you were that. close. You were close. There's also an email form, like a contact form on our website. Perhaps it's you.com. That might be easier. Um, Patreon. We have new th- rewards. Throw us some money and you'll get some cool shit. This month, we're going to be talking about Hotel Hell. Yes. And uh, next month, we're talking about Ghost Adventures. That's going to be a treat. Oh, we also figured out names. Well, I shouldn't say we. Liz figured out names for our Patreon tiers. We have Mystery Solver. <laughs> super Mystery Solver. And Super Duper Mystery Solver. Yes. So, go check that out. Some, okay. Thank you, everyone who pledged or upped their pledge. You're amazing. So, we introduced a $10 tier, which some people were already giving that much. What? Why? Thank you. Thank you. But then someone, I think it's Amy, went from 10 to 15. And I was like, Amy, (laughs) you don't get anything more. Do we need to... Co- okay, that's my question. Amy just wants to be our favorite, which... I, congratulations, you are. Uh, do we need to come up with an even higher tier? We're maxed out. We probably will eventually. Okay. But I think we need to see how this goes. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But Thank yeah. you, Amy. And I don't know. We, we have super mystery solver, super duper mystery solver. How higher can we go? Super duper duper mystery yes. solver? Or extra super duper extra super. mystery solver plus phantom pig. Sure. That was a hill that makes sense. Yeah. Makes total sense. <laughs> I want to plug my own stuff. Oh, you totally should. Which is that you should follow me, the person, <laughs> on Instagram to see my art stuff as Everybody Likes Liz. Yep. And I also have a website that's everybodylikesliz.com. You can see stuff I'm working on. Why is this the first time you've ever plugged this on our you podcast? You know what? It's just like never occurred to me. And then when we were interviewing... Not interviewing, sorry. But when we had Kara, we recorded with Kara for... She's going to join us Ghost for Adventures. Ghost, Ghost Adventures. And we were month. talking about her stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, I should like maybe mention that. <laughs> maybe, you, pe- maybe people would hire me to write something or make some art. Yeah, you should really check out Liz's Instagram. Also, Liz and friend of the pod, Kara, have teamed up to make art together. Yeah, so we'll, I'll, I'll announce shows and stuff that we're doing on here. Yeah. I, su- I suppose. <laughs> If you go to our Instagram account for Perhaps It's You, you'll see Liz's shit tagged. And yeah, go follow her. Check out some ghost pillows that she's been making that are Yes. Thank you for super listeners who bought ghost pillows also. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. You're all the best. All right. I think that's it. Go soft to mysteries, bitches. Bye. Bye.